I'm Brian Carpenter, host of Fresh Air at Five, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Coming up on episode 107 of Podcast PD, we talk with podcaster and author Daniel Bauer. Daniel is the host of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, and his latest book is titled Mastermind, Unlocking Talent Within Every School Leader. Let's start the show. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you're going to have more fun with AJ Bianco, Stacey Lindis, and me, Chris Nessie. Let's start the show. What is going on, podcast people? Welcome to episode 107 of Podcast PD. My name is Chris Nessie, at Mr. Nessie on Twitter, and uh, I am joined as always by my podcast PD compadres, Stacey Lindis and Alexander Jefferson. Bianco, what is up, AJ? They just keep coming, don't they, Chris? We just the gonna, hits just keep on coming. They're just gonna keep <laughs> playing with my name and until you find one that sticks, I guess, huh? Smack me in the face. There you go. <laughs> we have the soundboard, we have the nicknames, we have everything tonight. Uh, and I'm just yay. So happy to be yay. here tonight, Christopher. You can tell the emotion is just coming through the screen. You it you are oozing. Very, you it are losing happy. It was a very long it. weekend. It was a very long week. I'm going to be honest with you. Better a long weekend than a short weekend. I didn't mean long weekend like I had a long weekend. I mean, damn, I had a <laughs> long ass weekend. All right. Maybe it wasn't better than a short weekend. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Stacey, how are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, let's see. I exercised my right to vote today with early voting here in New Jersey. It's in my... Um, it's actually in my town, so it made it super easy. It was a completely different process than I'm used to, so um, that was kind of cool. And I got a really cool um, I voted stylus because you have to press every like everything was like totally electronic, no more like push the button, press the red button at the end. Um, yeah, so not the highlight of my weekend, but the highlight of today, I guess. Well, that's awesome. My yeah. my mother in law and Caitlin went over to vote today and came back with the styluses and. The I voted sticker. So very exciting times here as democracy is in action. Right. And this is new for New Jersey or is, have we always had the right to like early? The right to vote. Yes, we've always had the right to vote. Whatever. Well, women, not forever, but whatever. Um, but early voting, that's not been a New Jersey thing for long, right? I don't believe so. This is my first year ever participating in early voting. Usually I go on that first Tuesday after the first Monday. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, Chris, how are you? Did you vote yet? Uh, no, I will be going tomorrow night when I don't have Rutgers or any other evening activities so that I'll be able to get it out of the way that way. Cause on election day, I do have the night school stuff. So I will get it done tomorrow and I have to go to Wegmans and I have to go to Costco and other such evening errands, <laughs> but life is good. Life. life is good. Well, for those of you who see us um, on the live side, if you're listening to the podcast, you're going to see another face over here. We've got a wonderful guest. This is like I am excited for this because this is like old times. So, when, when we first got started with the live podcast, PD, thanks, Chris, uh, we were joined <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> weekly by our guest, a, a wonderful man, Mr. Daniel Bauer, a.k.a. the chief 
ruckus maker. Now, Daniel, I'll give you a second to introduce yourself, but I want to I want to read your bio here because I love this. So we have Daniel Bauer here. He is an unorthodox ruckus maker who has mentored thousands of school leaders, uh, me kind of included, but I'll be there one day, uh, through his Better Leaders, Better Schools blog, books, podcasts, and powerful coaching experiences. Tonight, Daniel's going to join us, talk about his new book, Mastermind, Unlocking Talent Within Every School Leader. And this is a book that reimagines what professional development for school administrators looks like in order to meet the needs of all school leaders who currently feel isolated. And there's the word again, overwhelmed. So let's welcome Daniel Bauer. Danny, what's up, man? Yay. Alexander Jefferson, what an <laughs> awesome intro. I really oh appreciate gosh. that so much. It's great to be here with Stacy, Chris. Uh, it's like, you know, I feel like it's deja vu in a lot of respects, but All over thank, thank you so much for having me back. I really appreciate it. No, man, we, we are we are happy to have you here. And yeah, I got to be honest, we've been doing this for now, Chris, 36 years? 36 years, yes. Yeah. But <laughs> to, to know Danny at the, at the, at the beginning stages of, of his podcast and our podcast and see how Danny's career has kind of taken off, I, I am quite happy for him. And, and, I, and I love the work he does, love the podcast, love the books. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading this one. I'm going to grab it and read it soon. But I think your message for everyone, not just school leaders, is is quite important. And your take on what it means to be overwhelmed, you know, I think it's well understood. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And uh, what was it? It was back, I think, what, 20, was it 2016 or so? You know, I was still living in Chicago. Yeah. When, uh, you know, evenings and hopping on with you guys and that kind of thing. And uh, then just went to Texas, move overseas, you know, and, and I, I would say that, over in Europe, just the time zone difference didn't make it uh, very agreeable to join, true. right? So true, true. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super thrilled that I could be here tonight. I remember those Chicago basement nights where you'd see the exposed pipes and... Yeah. It was, it was good times. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. That was a historic building back there too. You know, it was an old uh, like fruit market, you know, where the grocery stores... Uh, Chris, you talked about going to Wegmans and Costco. So that's where Wegmans and Costco would go to get the fresh produce in Chicago, oh, you know, and then bring it to their uh, grocery stores. They got converted into lofts and yeah, it was a really super cool uh, building for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So Danny, let's get started. Why don't you first like introduce your book? Tell us about your book. Tell us about why you wrote it. I know, I know the mastermind is a huge thing for you. So yeah, you know, plug away. Let's start right there. Well, the, the interesting thing is I never really wanted to write this book, honestly, right? Because the the mastermind is a way I serve school leaders and it's very near and dear, you know, close to my heart. And uh, I just never considered it as a topic for a book in service to leaders. Uh, and I was working with a number of publishers back in 2019, pitching different ideas that I thought might be useful, you know, things around... Uh, productivity, let's say, or building culture, other stuff that I love to talk about. But the thing that was interesting about Corwin at the time, they actually pitched me, you know, they said, hey, uh, what you're doing with school leaders is really innovative. Let's tell that story. Honestly, I had never, ever considered doing that. And to be quite honest, right, and vulnerable, there's a there's a business aspect to it. You know, the mastermind in terms of the, the structure and the way I offer it at Better Leaders, Better Schools, that's not a free thing. And I'm like, wow, how do I talk about something I love, something that is of service to school leaders, but don't do it in sort of like slimy car salesman sort of way. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that I had an answer, but I trusted my senior editor and she really believed that this was a, an idea that needed to get out there. 
And so, you know, it took multiple iterations, you know, many, many, many drafts. Uh, but I finally felt confident enough that, yeah, that is, this is of service to leaders. We talk about the high level ideas, the things that you can integrate within your school culture to transform uh, the PD you offer your staff. You can use uh, the book's sort of framework to evaluate PD you want to uh, enroll yourself in. And then I think, too, even classroom teachers, if they want to sprinkle in the ideas for the student experience, it would transform that culture as well. So, you know, the story I've been telling on some podcasts is that the ideas were there. The ideas were always good. Okay. But (laughs) the organization was not good. And that was the feedback that I received from Ariel, my senior editor. She said, your organization sucks. It's really Mm -hmm. bad. Right. But it was scary. That was scary for me to hear. The imposter syndrome was fully like in full force because the first book, you know, that I did was self-published. So I hired somebody to put it into a book form, right, that we're all used to. It would feel and read like a book. And I hired an editor, too. And when I gave her all my wild and really good ideas, she organized it for me. I thought that's what editors do. And here's Ariel saying, that's your job. I said, no, your, your title is editor. That's your job. No. So we went back and forth. And I was just like, like I said, super scared. Can, do I even have it within me? And the last thing I want to share right here, at least, I I think it's a good leadership lesson. Often we put in more hours. We slog through the work, right? Uh, We don't take breaks and that kind of thing, thinking that's the path to finishing the project. And my solution to writing a better book was I actually stopped writing a book. And so I powered down the computer, grabbed my puppy. We went out to Berry Park here in central New York. I live in Syracuse now. And we took a lot of walks out in nature. And I really dreamed about like, why does the mastermind work? Why does it resonate with school leaders? And I also thought if I need to organize it, I bet if I come up with a framework that would serve me and the reader well. So since we're in the education industry, I thought, can I play with the idea of the ABCs of powerful professional development? Went through multiple iterations, just like the drafts but I landed on authenticity, belonging, and challenge. And when you integrate those ideas into a PD experience, it leads to life and leadership transformation. That's how I organize the book. That's how I express the ideas. And that's how I feel confident that it's like a very helpful book rather than a 200-page you know, sales letter for my services. All right, Daniel. So first, when we started recording, we got all excited. Like, oh, you're back in the US and living in New York. Syracuse is far away from where the three of us live so yeah i know i know you mentioned playing so that's fine i, I still want to play but it'll just be a bit of a drive <laughs> we, i don't even know that the middle is convenient for me maybe for aj i don't know <laughs> we'll figure it out um yeah but but as, as we dive into the book it's you have a, a couple of parts here and you start out talking about the problem with professional development now here on this podcast we talk about pd we try to make it fun we try to make it light uh but from your perspective, what is the problem with PD or a problem with PD that you see? I think one of the biggest problems, Chris, with PD is it just that it that it misses the mark, right? When it's like one size fits all. And to be quite honest, uh, you know, my lived experience serving the leaders that I serve, my research has also shown um, it's just missed opportunities. Like school leaders just really aren't getting it, right? When when I was in a building. AP or principal. We had leadership meetings 
And the way it went was, and these things are all important, raise student achievement, raise attendance, decrease discipline, or guess what? You're fired if you don't do those things. And like, that's just not inspiring. That does not get, I think, most school leaders out of bed. It certainly doesn't get me out of bed. And so uh, that's, a, that's a big problem in itself. Uh, I looked at some research out of, out of um, 2020, NAASP teamed up with the Learning uh, Policy Institute. Here's what they found. It's, it's wild. 32% of all the principals they surveyed, 32% spent time sharing leadership practices with their peers. Listen to this, three or more times in the past two years, just 32%. That's shocking. Okay. 23% had access to a coach or a mentor in the past two years. And if a, if a school leader served in a, um, you know, a higher poverty school district, that access was actually 10%. And then the last uh, little research was 56%, a little bit better, participated in PLCs uh, three or more times in the past two years. And that just, that type of uh, disengagement, right, or uninvolvement in PD, like there's there's no way that schools will turn into what they need to be uh, without consistent, ongoing in meaningful professional development. My comment uh, on that, the same question would be, you know, we differentiate instruction for students. Yeah. You know, you've got right. 25 right. kids in the classroom. We got to hit on, on each one of their different ways to learn. Why aren't we differentiating the professional development for teachers? Why, why don't, and this is going to go off maybe in another direction, but I find that administrators don't get a lot of opportunity to get professional development. No. Right. So, we don't differentiate it. And then we have people who don't get a lot of access to it. So mm. yeah. it makes the job it's a little a big, tough. Oh, it's a it's a huge problem. I mean, that this is this is really a major challenge. If we don't address that, I don't see how how schools will uh iterate, evolve into what they need to become for students. And if if nothing proved that out of the pandemic, I mean, come on, right? Like things had to change quickly. And uh, who is there, you know, who is there supporting school leaders versus just saying, like, you know, directives coming down the line, like change this by tomorrow, this, that. And everybody was so exhausted, still still are exhausted, you know. So, yeah, these are these are major issues, like you said, Chris. So, so Danny, you know, I think about these numbers, right? And I'm thinking about the PD aspect, the the, the mentorship, the, you know, all, all the things you just talked about. And I, I'm looking at it from a leadership lens. Right. And, and I love your tagline. When leaders do better, schools do better. You know, and I, I'm trying to say this without disrespecting anybody. Right. I have some wonderful people I can count on. And I consider mentors. Um, yeah. But th that, that's who I am. That's how I want to grow. You know, when we look at feedback, right, you were talking about your editor giving you feedback that was kind of scary. Um, do, do you think we're not using PLCs and mentors because of the, the feedback we might get or, or, or how we're going to be perceived as a leader? Do you think we're not reflecting on our practice enough? Like, what do you, why do you think people are not going towards those PLCs and the, those groups of PD? Yeah. Uh, well, so that same study, right? They, they found that there were uh, three major obstacles faced by most principals. The biggest one was lack of time, right? So school leaders couldn't figure out like, where does PD even fit in? Uh, and I can say, you know, I, I went to a Yankees game recently with uh, my friend Nick Hoover. He's a part of the mastermind, too. He, he's a principal in Delaware. Um, 
And the interesting thing that he said, because I always figured the biggest challenge is the financial investment, right? He said, no, that money had nothing to do with it. It was the time, actually. You know, he's a principal. He's a, he's a single father. He's got a lot going on. And uh, he said, I just had to get, wrap my mind around where does it fit into my schedule? But the neat thing, Alexander Jefferson, that he told me was that the hour I spend in the mastermind, right, saves me hours in uh, the back end of actually applying the ideas and doing the work on a weekly basis. So lack of time is the biggest obstacle. Mm-hmm. The second one is uh, insufficient building coverage, um, which is interesting because my uh, at least the masterminds I offer, right? Those are all outside school hours. It's like this, right? In the evenings and that kind of thing. So that that doesn't um, that's not a challenge for our people. And then the other one, which everybody could figure out, was uh, lack of access to funds, right? Mm-hmm. Or not enough money for it. So those are the three major obstacles. And then I think too, just from like a like a district point of view, um, if you think about classrooms too, right? And you and you think about a teacher. And sometimes where their focus goes, a lot of times that might be to the students who need the most support, right? You got the high-flying students, you're like, that's awesome, right? Maybe we give them a little little extra to work, you know, on and, and stretch their wings, so to speak. And then there's kids in the middle that's like, okay, they're like little loyal puppies, you know, they're going to be just fine. But the, the teacher might end up focusing on those kids that need it the most. And uh, I think that's what happens, too, with school districts, right? Because at least, again, my lived experience, when I look around at who had a mentor, who had a coach, it was those, like, novice, right, like the first year. Mm -hmm. And believe me, those mentorship programs, too, like, uh, the mentor a lot of times is mailing it in. They're not necessarily a highly qualified mentor. They're just there post-retirement collecting a check, not that interested in this person's development. I see a lot of head nodding, so I think I'm onto something. And then the other thing, too, is that the, the people that get coaches and mentors are those underperforming, right? The, the principals that really need the support. And that's great. Help them out. But I think what happens is you have the ones that are doing OK or the high performers. They get totally missed, absolutely missed. And the other thing, too, is they, they live under this. Uh, I don't know that it's a myth, um, but it's a mindset. Hey, you have your school leader certificate. You have your advanced degree. What do you need coaching and mentorship for? You already know everything. You have all the answers. And that's just a bunch of baloney. So can we we could say baloney. Can we say the other stuff? I need to know before I let it rip. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> if, if you want to say it, you can say it because I'll just throw in a. Yeah, right. So it's a bunch of bullshit, right? So <laughs> there it is. Love it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I appreciate that. We talked about mentorship here a couple of weeks ago, and I think. No, I'm going to let Stacy go off on this one because um, we talk about mentorship. I spoke when I was a first year teacher, you know, right out of the right out of college. I had a mentor who I don't even know her name right now. We never met each other. We never checked wow. in. She took the money that that I gave, and and that was it. You know, and that that was my teaching experience. As I continued teaching, I found people who I can think of as mentors and people I could trust. Now in the leadership role, you know, this is my second year. I have a mentor who was actually on the show last time, Kevin Carroll. He is a mentor, somebody I, I really trust and somebody I appreciate. You know, I work with him. I have I have people like you. I have people like the guys from Unlock the Middle, like I, guys I can call on that I know will, will yeah. kind of lay it out there straight as leaders. But so many other people, I think they see a mentor and they say, ah, I don't need that. Their style doesn't line up with my style. Or a mentor, I don't need that. 
you know, I can figure this out on my own or, you know, I have somebody in my building I could talk to. But I, I think Stacy has successfully had great mentors and is awesome. a great mentor for, for other people. Well, thank you. No, I definitely, I, I see the value in great mentorship. Um, like AJ was saying, my first mentor, she was somebody on grade level. She and I did all of our planning together. And then she just helped me with the things that first year teachers need. You know, I came in, I didn't start teaching in the classroom until January. And that right there is just, I'm already behind the eight ball. And she said, nope, just treat this like it's your September. What would you do? And that's exactly what I did. And, you know, we 20 years later still have a great relationship. I know I can call her, you know, even when I left the district, um, we would still get together twice a year and go out to New York City for Columbia's Teachers College, which just happened this weekend, the weekend reunion, and just, you know, soak up all the PD we could that way as well. And then when I left the classroom, um, I looked to be the type of mentor that that she was for me. And I hope that I accomplished that, you know, even um, as recently as two or three years ago, when I went back into the classroom and I worked with two teachers who were new to the grade level like me, but didn't necessarily have the experience in the district. Um, And I I just think that you, like AJ saying, you find your people and mentorship can come in so many different formats. Um, I think the worst type of mentorship is when it's forced informal and the partnership doesn't work because it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a true partnership. Um, and I think that AJ, that's what you're talking about, but I know mm-hmm. that those mentorship opportunities that do or mentorship experiences that go well can be so meaningful. And so like, they just change the trajectory trajectory of your career in the, in so many positive ways. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the mentorships that I think go well are when the mentor is one who wants to give and truly wants to support, not so much, look what I do, look, here's how I do it. I think a true mentor, at least in this space, is going to help a new teacher or a new administrator develop and kind of spread their own wings and find their own way and provide feedback, provide guidance, you know, be an ear to listen. Um, at, at least that's that, that's my approach, you know, as one who has mentored a couple of student teachers now. That, that That's my take on it. Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, I think it, it's all about having a foundation of uh, curiosity, you know, and then from there, asking really great questions, being an active listener, uh, pointing people toward resources, you know, when it's uh, when it's necessary, but not necessarily force feeding them if they don't see that they need the help too, right? Like that doesn't help. That kind of connects to what Stacy was talking about in terms of a match. Like you got to, you got to feel that out, you know? So, um, yeah, mentorship is uh, is key. So thank you for that, Chris. D- Danny, what, what, how do you look at a mentorship? What is your approach to a successful mentorship? Hmm. Well, you know, at least in the in the book, I'll bring it back to the ABCs. You know, I think that's really helpful. Uh, like I said, the foundation of curiosity, the active listening, the asking of questions, but the ABCs and how I define it is authenticity, belonging, and challenge, right? And each part has different subdomains. So authenticity has to do with psychological safety, self-awareness, and being values-driven. Belonging is fueled by a shared purpose, inclusive environments, and trust. And then challenge is all about leadership mindset, taking action, and then creating a powerful community. So that, again, when writing the book and thinking about why my community thrives, that's those are the pieces. And when you integrate that, again, for yourself, 
like this is PD I want to enroll in, PD I'm going to offer my staff or teachers designing a classroom experience, that will transform a culture. I promise you. I've I've seen that time and time again, you know, over six years. So there's a lot there. We could dig into, you know, any component that you want, but that's sort of the high level answer I'd have for you, AJ. I appreciate that. Sure, sure. So I have a follow up on that, though. What is the role of the person who's being mentored? Like what? Because, you know, both people play a role. So for a person to be mentored successfully, they have work to do, too. And so what are what are some tips and tricks you have there? Yeah, I think uh, open mindedness. Right. So first of all, you know, and some of it too, AJ sort of touched on when people think uh, I don't need the mentor. Come on, like. Even back when Michael Jordan was playing basketball, he had a coach, right? The top athletes, the top performers, they all have coaches. And so if you don't think you need a mentor, well, you probably do. (laughs) We all have room to grow. So the open-mindedness, the willingness to put ego, right? Not taking things personally, listening, you know? Uh, For me, any type of experience I enroll myself into I honestly just want to get one idea that's going to change things for me. You know, uh, I almost, it's almost like having like very low expectations because you can get one idea from almost anywhere. But if you get more than that, now it's like, wow, look at how powerful this experience was. Uh, that open-mindedness, right? The willingness to put the ego away, the one idea. I think also obviously taking action consistently, showing up, being invested in yourself. So sometimes uh, the mentee might take that for granted, that people all have awesome mentors or effective mentors or whatever. If you're not even showing up yourself and doing the work, then how do you expect to grow? So I think those are some ideas, at least, that you can bring to the table as a mentee. Uh, And then, you know, speak in your voice, too, right? If things aren't working or uh, if there's something you specifically need, communicate that, you know? A lot of times we just uh, take it for granted in every space that we're in, right? School leader, classroom, mentor, mentee, that people know exactly what's going through our brains, which is not true. So it's like that metacognition, just putting it all on the table, uh, you know, laying all your cards out there and that kind of thing. So over communicate, you're not going to go wrong with that. Is that the part uh, where even in the book, you talk about self-awareness and kind of maybe knowing what you don't know and how you can express that? Self-awareness is uh, an important piece, you know, and I definitely talk a lot about that. You know, I I share a story when I really absolutely blew up a relationship, you know, within a school. And essentially, I was a quasi-administrator. This was before I was formally the the AP. And uh, one of the things that, you know, I did is I oversaw the English department. And I was still, I was an instructional coach. Uh, I taught two English classes. And I did some administrative stuff on the, on the side as well. And so um, there we were. Uh, and it just so happens, I don't, I know what, you know, again, I can only speak from my lived experience. In many of the schools I've been in, and listen, I am pro-union. I was always a part of unions, like I like you. Uh, but it's interesting sometimes who that union president is. My experience, a lot of times, they're, they're actually a very poor performing teacher. That's not every one of them, but that is my lived experience. And I can show you that. Uh, one school at Kenwood, the guy literally just worksheets and would read the newspaper every single day. Seriously, that's all he did as a teacher. And then at this other school that I'm talking about right now, uh, the union president was also the English department chair as we came in. 
And uh, she had this interesting habit of never coming to work, <laughs> was always absent, okay? She had been there forever, had a lot of days, and you should take days. I'm not saying don't take days, especially if they're mental health days, but consistently. Every Friday, never there, right? And it was more than Fridays. So the story got worse because uh, her room was connected to the English department's book room. And that meant if she was absent, and in the chaos of getting uh, substitute teachers and that kind of thing, teachers and kids were literally locked out from the resources they needed to have an effective day. Especially, you know, listen, a lot of teachers are proactive, but sometimes it's like, hey, I'm, I'm pivoting. I'm making changes to today's lesson. I'm going to use different materials. And so they wouldn't have access. That frustrated me quite a bit. So being a quasi-administrator, I had some keys to some rooms. I started opening the room up, Right. And therefore, the teachers and the kids would get access to the resources. Well, that didn't make her very happy, right? And at the time, I didn't understand why. I thought that uh, we both agreed we'd have a crucial conversation, okay? So this is all back self-awareness because this is an example of me having very, very, very low self-awareness, okay? And uh, I, I thought that we would talk about her absenteeism and the, the lack of access to the books. That's what I wanted to discuss with her. And she agreed to have a, a crucial conversation. I read crucial conversations twice, twice, took notes. I mapped out, I mapped out the uh, conversation we'd have, right? Role played, had her responses. How would I make it safe? How, you know, how would I respond uh, to all these things? And uh, in my mind, the conversation went perfectly. Then you get there in reality, and the map is not necessarily the territory. And so I start working my script, and she goes off the script that I had planned for her, right? <laughs> so imagine that. Surprise! Right? Yeah, an autonomous, beautiful human being uh, is making decisions on her own and not following my script. I also didn't rehearse the script with her, so she didn't necessarily know her part. <laughs> but what, what, what came up, what, what I started to hear is she was actually quite upset had nothing to do with me being frustrated with her lack of uh, attendance or the book resources. She was really upset that somebody like me, the villain, might get access to the union materials, even though I was in the union. And I love, again, I was very pro-union. So um, I didn't realize that, though, right? And she was very concerned that somehow I would pick the lock, I guess, of her file cabinet, steal all the union materials, you know, go against my own, you know, uh, needs and whatever as a, as a teacher and communicate it to the administration. Right. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, anyways, so she's like, Daniel, I want you to give your key back to the administration. Right. And I looked her square in the eye and I held the key just a few inches from her note. And I said, I will never give this key back ever. Right. And uh, and that was the end of the conversation, you could say. I left the room. It didn't go very well. I actually, I, I apologized the next day because, man, I was just a big jerk, you know, totally missed it. And I was so uh, consumed with having an effective, difficult conversation and getting people access to the materials. I totally missed the point that she felt I was violating her space and, you know, potentially the stuff with the union. And if I would have understood that, we probably could have come to an agreement somehow, I know the conversation would have been a lot better, but I was just so zeroed in on what I saw as, you know, the the mistakes being made 
that I was completely unaware. And I just, I hurt that relationship. I harmed, you know, uh, the culture in that moment and really blew it. And that was a, a just terrible lack of self-awareness. The key thing too was, you know, uh, that was out of anger, right? Which is wrong. You should not act out of anger as a, as a leader. Um, and Talent Smart, who wrote the book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, you know, they helped with the research with that uh, by Bradbury and Graves. But uh, my point here is that they surveyed half a million leaders. So that's nothing to sneeze at, right? Quite a sample size. And they found basically 75% of leaders have no idea. They cannot name in this moment their emotions right now, right? Which means that three quarters of leaders are making decisions actually driven by the inner world, the internal landscape of the leader, and they're completely unaware of why things are happening. So if you've ever been like, why did I just say what I just said? I did that in that moment, right? If you've ever thought, why did I do that? I did that in that moment, right? With the key, total jerk move. If you've ever uh, said to yourself, like, why does this trend keep happening to me time and time again? That is, a, that is a red flag that you have emotional intelligence to work on, specifically self-awareness. So, Stacey, I don't know if that was more than you, you bargained for, but the last, last little thing I want to say is you can make it better, right? So in 2019, that book I just talked about, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, gives you a very easy assessment to take, and it gives you a baseline of where you are in your emotional intelligence. Then it gives you very, very practical examples to work on those things. And I did that. So I worked on those things for two years, uh, worked with coaches on self-awareness type stuff and emotional intelligence. And from 2019 to 2021, I can tell you that I increased my emotional intelligence by eight points, you know? And so that was, that was a very good thing. So you could, you could teach old dogs new tricks, which is awesome. Thank you. That, I mean, that was incredibly thorough. I, I asked it because I know one of my colleagues did not have a great mentorship experience and mm. I listened to a podcast afterwards and she, and I remember her saying that one of her most beneficial meetings with her mentor was when she came with a list of needs. Like I need this, I need this, I need yeah. this. And then I remember hearing a podcast, um, you know, like Brene Brown, somebody like that wasn't her, but some, somebody in that, in that um, sphere talking about mentorship and how it is the job of the mentee to articulate his or her needs. And I thought that that was really interesting because that is when my friend had her best experience. But I think part part of what I was trying to under, help her understand too is, you know, she's not going to know everything that she needs because you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, she, and she still had a lot to learn in her first year as an educator in general, you know, brand new baby teacher, um, but with a lot behind her. Like she wasn't someone who didn't have the chops to be a teacher. She just didn't know all the things that she needed to ask. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. until the end of the year that she was able to really communicate her needs, have her needs met in the meeting that she had with her mentor and then feel like something came of it. But unfortunately that wasn't until May or June. And then Mm -hmm. mentorship ends for us here in New Jersey after that Mm -hmm. first year. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't know if you had tips and tricks for people who are going through that process on both ends. So I thank you for that. For sure. I love, you know, articulating what you need. Right. And that's great because it gives your mentor uh, maybe a roadmap of, of places that you can travel together, but then the mentor too, right. It's very powerful being objective, being outside, looking in. Everybody has blind spots, you know, 
And your mentor hopefully could connect some dots that you might not see just based on experience and stuff as well, right? And uh, help you see those trends and address them. So, you know, they might have seen like all the keys that I've held in people's faces throughout my life and said, Danny, stop doing that. You're a jerk. Don't do that. I haven't right. done it since then, okay? <laughs> I think you're great. I don't think you're allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. No, I haven't. <laughs> all right. Before we continue with Danny Bauer, we just want to real quick talk about this episode's sponsor, and that is StreamYard. StreamYard is a live streaming studio in your browser. It's how we make Podcast PD, which we started live streaming over a year ago. StreamYard lets us interview guests like Daniel Bauer. Uh, we could take calls and we can very nicely visually brand our live stream and much more. With StreamYard, we stream directly to YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And you can also stream to places like Facebook and LinkedIn. To learn more, please use our link, podcastpd.com slash StreamYard. And thank you to StreamYard for sponsoring Podcast PD. Thank you, StreamYard. Thanks. Thank you. StreamYard is the bomb. I'm just going to add to the sponsorship if I there can. There you go. <laughs> I, 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 use it, I use it as well. So uh, I like to go live quite a bit, and uh, StreamYard is where I landed. So it's a powerful tool. I, I uh, broadcast to Facebook, LinkedIn, as you mentioned, and YouTube, and it's a great place to connect and serve those in my audience. Awesome. Thank you for adding to that. You great bet. value. <laughs> Chris likes to use Twitch. I don't know why, but he does. Doesn't cost me anything to send it there. You never know. <laughs> you never know. <clears throat> oh, man. I'm sorry. I still can't get over that Twitch thing. That's okay. That's okay. All right, Danny, thank you. Thank you so much for, for again, joining us. This is, this is an awesome conversation. Um, I mean, this whole idea of a mentorship and, and having people around you is really – I think it's really important right now. You know, I think, you know, I'm just gonna put it out there. Like I, I text you the other day and Danny, full disclosure, I've been wanting to work with Danny for a while now. Right. And I was this close to, to kicking off the school year with, with Danny and the, and the mastermind. And then I realized I have, you know, my mentorship, my peer group, I, I'm jumping into a brand new year, full year. Um, I was like, yeah, I got time. I can do this. I have time. Then I'm realizing I'm coaching a sport. My son's playing three sports. I got another son playing a sport. Got, you know, my daughter, my wife's coaching. And I realized I have zero time, which is why I started out the show by saying my weekend was completely full because we're going through a house renovation. We're going through four different sports. We're, we just got a new puppy because why not? So like time is, is not there. So when you look at your, your role with the mastermind, talk about the time commitment, talk about, you know, if a person like me has no time, how do you deal with a leader or a teacher who is stuffing everything in as much as they can and the envelope is overflowing and it's about to burst? You know, mm. you talk about the overwhelm in your intro. So tell us, how do we deal with the overwhelm and, and, and the, the overcommitment to things? The cheeky answer is just start saying no, right, AJ? And I think to be quite honest, uh, a lot of leaders struggle with that. Um, whether it's being new to the position or what I would suggest, educators have huge hearts, the best, like they're the best people in the world. And, uh, and since they are so compassionate, they like being liked. and saying no can be very difficult, although that is going to then cause you to go home and complain or keep it to yourself and just be internally, you know, frustrated, wound up, overwhelmed. 
etc. So saying no is like key, uh, common sense, but not common practice for sure. Another thing I would say as well, you know, I, I, me- I mentioned Nick, so you have to experience it, right? But again, what he learns helps him be more effective and efficient on a day-to-day operational basis where he'll experience a situation said, oh yeah, we've talked about this in the mastermind. So and then instead of researching and figuring out all the different ways to approach it, he knows the solution. And so that is a huge time saver for somebody like Nick. Uh Another thing I would say, too, is I'm really interested in, in um, how school leaders can automate a lot of tasks that they do. And if you catch yourself saying, every time this thing happens, so there's some kind of trigger, right, then I have to do X. Well, there's probably a solution out there that uh, would help you automate whatever task that is. So, for example, um, we're doing a mastermind uh, book study right now. You know, it's completely completely free since the book's out, just want to, you know, try to add value to leaders' lives. And so we're getting together on Mondays, so on and so forth. Well, Monday, uh, we had our first meeting, but the books just got released, right? And so actually a, a number of people didn't have theirs yet. So I taught on this idea of the five levers of effective school leadership. Um, what's interesting is number two is basically uh, unplug, you know, the importance of unplugging and limiting digital resources. And then the irony is that lever number three is plug into the matrix. Resistance is futile, but it's about being intentional, you know, with the tools that you use rather than just always scrolling, always checking email, you know, so on and so forth. And so uh, I use a tool called Zapier. I don't know if any of you uh, use that at all, but it's extremely powerful. And uh, I think I want to say her name was Kim. I, I think I have it right, but she's a newer principal in the book club. And she talked about some culture team meeting, right, that happens uh, every month. And basically, she needs to send out this template agenda every single time. It doesn't take a whole bunch of time, but sometimes she forgets, sometimes she's scrambling, all this kind of stuff. That could be automated. That's an excellent example of something that could be automated. In Zapier, the trigger could be uh, every third Monday, like who knows when the meeting is. But you can pick a date when this happens, then go to my Google Drive, right? Create a copy of the template and then send it out as an email on my behalf, right? So that's something that happens in a school leader's life. In my life, again, since we are talking about the book, I'm getting a lot of book orders. You can get them. And thanks, Chris, for putting the Amazon link in there. You get them from Amazon. You can get them from Corwin. You could get them from my website. Well, when they come to the website, I don't have any books at my house, right? So what I actually have to do is download an Excel spreadsheet, fill out basically a purchase order, put the person's name in there. I'm actually paying for the book on their behalf because Corwin's going to invoice me. Uh, Send that to Corwin's, you know, Erica's the point of contact. um, And there you go. Then the book gets shipped out. That in itself may take just a few minutes of work. But over time, that's going to take hours and hours and hours, right? And so I, I created an uh, automation where I actually send, um, I send, I forward the email to my mother now. <laughs> she fills out a very simple Google form. It has Erica's email. She can't mess it up. Erica's the only one who to select from. She put in, she puts in the person's name. So AJ Bianco, right? How many books? One, two, whatever. And then she uploads the Excel sheet uh, for me. And then 
in Zapier, I wrote one email once, hey, Erica, you know, person's name, you know, just ordered X amount of books and it scrapes a spreadsheet, right? From Google Forms. Does that make sense? And, uh, and then Erica gets that email and the order's fulfilled, right? Book promo hack. I love my mom, right? Mama ruckus maker. She came to the book launch parties. She stole the show. Like I shouldn't have even showed up. It should have just been her and people love, they, they were trying to get dirt on me and stuff. It was, we did breakout <laughs> sessions. We were doing all this fun stuff. I brought her up. We highlighted her, her picture. I said, tell the story, right. Of me being a uh, uh, terrible or something like that. And she told some embarrassing stories. She said, which, which ones, like, which ones are out of bounds. Don't tell those ones, mom, like tell the appropriate ones. Okay. But it was really a whole lot of fun. Uh, but long story short, you know, this automation works. Uh, mom helps me out. She's retired. So it gives her a little sense of, you know, purpose and helping her son. Uh, but now what would take minutes and then hours over time literally takes just two seconds to forward that email off and the books get delivered. So that, that was about a saving time, right? So yeah, looking absolutely. for every time you do something. Mm-hmm. Saving time. You should just mail the books that you got behind you on the shelf. You got a couple there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's that is true. So speaking of, though, uh, on the my website's the only place you can get autographed copies. So I ordered a whole bunch to fulfill that way. So when I get a new. Uh, yeah. If you just go to um, uh, mastermind book slash mastermind book, that's the URL. Better leaders, better schools dot com slash mastermind book. Uh, yeah, people and they do. I'm always humbled by that. Right. Like, wow, that's super cool. People want to have a note and have it personalized and autographed. And you could totally do that, which is really super fun for me. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's been great. So hopefully that, that helps. The last thing I'll say though, AJ, is that, uh, and I don't know how you experience me and feel free to be candid on the show. I do check in with people. Like that's a part of my process, right? You'll never join the mastermind. If I don't ask you from time to time, how are things going? Is there anything can I help with? And is now the time right? Okay. Uh, But I will say this. So Bill is a principal uh, in Michigan, just outside of Detroit. He, it took two years for him to join the mastermind. So hopefully you don't experience me as like a high pressure type of guy. And sometimes that's just, that's the answer. Bill had kids like you did involved in a lot of activities, that kind of thing. So it didn't fit. But the second that his kids were a bit older, they had a little more independence and that kind of thing. He said, Danny, I'd love to join now. And I said, great, we have a spot for you, right? Mm-hmm. So part of it too is just being okay that you're not involved in everything all the time and that at some point, you know, your schedule will open up. Yeah, no, I, and, and I appreciate that. And for those listening, like Dan, Danny's being legit. I, I, even though I have not joined, Danny continues to check on me, whether it's, you know, through Instagram, through our, our through Twitter, I've gotten a couple emails. You know, I feel like I, I now text Danny. I text you too. Yeah, and then, and I, and I appreciate that because sometimes I get the message and it really is just like a quick like breath of fresh air that like you understand what I'm going through and and, and you know you're there no, no matter what like there's always going to be a response you know from you so for anybody who really is looking into this or it's something you want to read the book first to kind of get the the vibe of who Danny is I, I it's legit this is this is who Danny is and it's been this way since we met him 6 mm-hmm. years ago still got a beard and a hoodie Probably a, a beer somewhere too. I mean, it's just what, what about what about the what skateboard you? though? Where's the skateboard? That's in the garage. Okay, it's cold yeah. and I am getting I'm, older though. I, I feel like I fall way too much. <laughs> like I don't. When did my body change? Right? Like all of a sudden you can't do the things you used to do, and like you just fall and you're clumsy, and so that might be retiring. It's a long six years. 
Yeah. <laughs> Not as long as your weekend, though. Not as long as my weekend felt like six years. <laughs> so we've had a lot of fun talking with Danny Bauer. Is the sunshine still a part of it? Ooh. Well, that was a midlife crisis, right? And what's funny is like, be, care- be careful, be careful what you wish. I-, I mean, honestly, it was a midlife crisis. There was a lot of transition, and and honestly, the the story behind that was I just wanted to remind myself that no matter how dark today might be, there's always sun around the corner, right? And so I, I started doing that, and it stuck. So a lot of people still call me Sunshine. It's not legal. It's on no documents. I did that for, what, a year and a half? And now everyone still calls me Sunshine. It was longer than a year and a half. That's why I'm bringing it it back up. It was was a long six You were Danny Sunshine Bauer forever. (laughs) Between Danny Sunshine and Alien Earbud. Alien Earbud. Alien Earbud, that will never go anywhere. That will never go away. Right. Yeah, that will never go anywhere. But see, now you just mentioned like the whole Sunshine thing was like it was a reminder for you. But that brought Sunshine to Everybody who knows you, knew you, gets in contact with you. So the, the the rays of sunshine reached far and wide. Yeah. Maybe I'll bring it back. I might I might get my name legally changed and then we'll all feel good about it. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. You can bring and it back. And you gotta reprint the cover of the book and that's a whole mess. <laughs> yeah. That is and costly. Costly. Yeah. <laughs> um so if you don't know. Danny is also a podcaster. He's much more than an author. And I'll let my compadres off the hook. And let's give Danny the opportunity to talk about his podcast, Better Leaders, Better Schools, which according to my records, and I keep records on all this fun stuff, uh, he is at 370 episodes-ish, somewhere in that neighborhood. And uh, Danny, talk about Better Leaders, Better Schools, the podcast. I'm just glad somebody's counting at this point. Who knows, right? So, uh, yeah, you know, Chris and uh, AJ, Stacy have all been super helpful with uh, getting the show off the ground and uh, encouraging and that kind of thing. Back in the day, we used to do this all the time. So uh, I started this show uh, to scratch my own itch, right? And I talked about those leadership meetings I would go to, hey, raise student achievement, raise attendance, decrease discipline, or you're fired. And again, not inspiring. I wanted to learn how do I craft a meaningful vision for my school and transfer ownership, right, to my staff. Uh, I wanted to (laughs) learn how to handle difficult conversations because as my story, right, if you were watching earlier, uh, hey, didn't handle those so well in the the past. Uh, And there are are inequities that exist within our systems, and I wanted to address those, right? So by having brave, honest uh, conversations with other school leaders on the Better Leaders, Better Schools show, I just figured if I learned from folks' successes and failures, and most importantly, took action on one idea. Remember that, like, if I learned one thing, here it is again. I figured I would grow my skill set. What I didn't realize back then is, is how, how much this uh, message would resonate with what I call the ruckus maker community. That's my audience. Uh, and it honestly, a podcast, this podcast changed my life, you know? 2017, the summer of 2017, I pivoted and went all in on the show on coaching and mentoring school leaders, either one-on-one or in a group setting and uh, creating content that would be helpful. And I've had the honor to do that uh, since summer of 2017. And, you know, at that time, my wife and I moved over to Europe and I just said, hey, give me a year to, to fail, right? Or succeed. 
I, I could always go back to a school. And uh, if it if it works, then I'll just keep showing up. And I continue to continue to show up. So that's the flagship show uh, with 370 episodes. You know, Chris and everybody knows. I think uh, Apple what keeps 200, 250 in your feed. So I do have an archive feed of the Better Leaders, Better Schools season one show. Um, so those are all the old ones that you can't find anymore on Apple. And then uh, and then there's the school leadership series, which is uh, a Monday through Friday, usually about three to five minutes, you know, short inspiration versus uh, a conversation with a leader. So those are all the, the podcasts. And again, if you're not streaming live, use StreamYard. It is an excellent <laughs> sponsor, but a wonderful tool. And uh, I use that every single week as well. Now, Danny, I'm going to, uh, my, my final question would be, yes. I'm going to use one of your own questions against you. And this is oh. one of my favorite questions that you use in the podcast. So Danny, if you could put any message on a school marquee for one day and everybody could see it, what would it be? I love this idea that just you are worth it. Whatever you're wrestling with, you know, whatever's uh, challenging for you in this moment, just know that you are amazing and you are worth it. I love it. All right. See you next week, everybody. <laughs> now, now you gotta go to, Great. Now you got to go to the next one. Go if, you're ahead. A, if you're building a school from the ground up and money's not an option or, or not, what is it? Not a limitation. Not yeah. a limitation. Sorry. What do you do? Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of building the dream school, you know, it's definitely about uh, having awesome people. And I've, I've riffed before on uh, just considering how uh, people can get involved in education and making that an easier process. I think we lock a lot of people out um, because they just they don't have the certificate or the schooling or whatever, and they could be an awesome educator. You, you read books on the best organizations, and they all say the same thing. Hire the right people, and you can teach them the stuff that they need to know. So how do we do that better in education? So the right people is a big part of it. Uh, I would have, I would just say, I mean, honestly, schools that are beautiful, right? Like too many are look like a hospital or a prison. Both places are not very fun to be at, right? And so if you walk into a space, you've all been there, right? In someone's house, and it's like an awesome house. You just have the best time ever. So how do you create an environment where those kids are like running to school because it's just such a cool environment, right? Welcoming, they see themselves in it. It's a lot of flexibility and, and, again, honors the kid and, importantly, honors the staff as well. And I think that gets missed too often is that, you know, I, I actually I, I advise leaders that I work with, kids are important, right? We're all in the business of serving kids, but love on your teachers more. You know, to me, if you take care of the adults in the building, they're going to take care, you know, of the students for sure. And if there's a last thing, you know, that I would do, you know, with schools is just like, well, I'll bring this in from the first book, uh, which was the Better Leaders, Better Schools Roadmap. And um, whenever somebody's having a hard time, like I did with my colleague that one time, I want to have just I want to have pies and cakes, you know, lining the halls. So you just smash it in their face. Right. Because one of my <laughs> core principles is rule number six, which is don't take yourself so dang seriously, you know. And so just just a, an idea of like having fun experimenting, being creative. A lot of schools say they're about that, but I'll tell you what, again, my lived experience, when I was creative, when I innovated, like a district said, they were all about what happened. Two by four, I got disciplined, right? No, 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 go back, silent, straight lines. That's what we do, right? And so uh, I, I would just, I would want an environment that was a lot of fun, 
experimenting, you know, being creative and that kind of thing and pies and cakes for people's faces when they wear their grumpy pants to work. <laughs> Danny, I thought you were that, just going to say we would no. enjoy cake. I thought that's your, I thought you were going with that too. I got to be honest with you. Well, if you're having a bad day, I mean, then you get hit in cake. It is like a little bit of a sugar spike. So maybe, <laughs> we, we might, you know, I might in real time revise my opinion because we don't want to, you know, uh, just continue that behavior. So I don't know. Maybe it's like a cake without sugar or something like that. Then it's not a good cake. Then you want to smash no. that in somebody's face. Yeah. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> yeah. All right. Before Stacy does the magic, Danny, tell everybody what's next and where can we find you on the interwebs? Yeah, really the the book in the book in as many leaders hands as possible, because uh, again, we, we, we were able to do it. It's not just about like what I offer. That's actually just one line at the end of the book. Hey, check us out if you're interested. It really is a book about how PD should be offered to you as a school leader. And if, you know, if the PD you offer your staff, or you're a classroom teacher in the in the school classroom experience you're designing for kids could be uh, leveled up, then this book will show you how through the ABCs for sure. So that that's what I'm working on. And I'm going to stay focused on that for quite a while, to be honest, and uh, say no to any sort of other shiny objects, because uh, just consistency and execution will get you everything you want. So I'm not trying to do anything new. Appreciate that. Yeah, Chris. Uh, real quick, before we say goodbye, we want to also thank our executive producers. So the executive producers, they get value from the show just like you do. And if you ever wondered, how can we support what Stacey, Chris, and AJ create? Well, here's how you do it. Go to podcastpd.com slash executive producer, and you can support Podcast PD on a monthly or a yearly basis. As a thank you, every executive producer gets an awesome sticker. And if you support us for a year, you get the sticker and we will also send you a podcast PD t-shirt and an awesome mug that if you find one of these cakes in the hallway, like Danny's talking about, take that mug, turn it upside down and scoop yourself some cake in the hallway. And if again, you want to become an executive producer, go to podcastpd.com slash executive producer. All right. And with that, Danny, we can't thank you enough for joining us. It's been such a treat. It's so great to see you and hear you and have you join us but um it is time to say good night say good night aj good night aj good night say good night christopher good night christopher <laughs> say good night danny good night danny good night podcast pd thank you for checking out this episode of podcast pd for links to everything that we discussed in this episode, you can visit the show notes at our website, podcastpd.com. To connect with the show on social media, we are at podcastpd on Instagram and Twitter, and we share using the hashtag podcastpd. To connect with Stacy, AJ, and myself, we are on Twitter at Mr. Nessie, at Stacy Lindis, and at AJ Bianco. We would love to hear from you, so please go to podcastpd.com slash feedback and send us an email, send us a voice message, whatever you need to do. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share it with somebody that you think would get value from it. Word of mouth is the best way to share a podcast you enjoy, and we hope you enjoyed Podcast PD. We appreciate you listening, we appreciate your sharing, and we love creating this podcast for you. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care. <laughs>